Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show that focuses on people and organizations making a difference in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Joining us right now is Hai Long Jin, board director of the Marco Polo Foundation and former president of the DFW Chinese Alliance. How are you doing, Hai Long? Great. Thank you for having me today, Chris. Oh, for sure. And again, I'm looking forward to this conversation because you have been involved with the Asian American community here in Dallas-Fort Worth forever. And I'm talking about doing a lot of different things as as well as your role as the former president. Can you talk a little bit about what the DFW Chinese Alliance is all about? So DFW Chinese Alliance is an organization focusing on uh, uh uh, Chinese uh, community. We're trying to raise awareness to in, encourage all the Chinese uh, immigrants to vote and then to uh, uh, attend uh, uh, community service and then to get involved in uh, uh, city council and all the uh, city level and then uh, state level uh, community services. Now, you're involved in so many different things, you know, within the community. Could you talk some more also about uh, your involvement with the Marco Polo World Foundation, something that I've been doing with their annual Dragon Boat Race and Festival. Yeah, I know you have been uh, being a great MC for our uh, annual uh, DFW Dragon Boat uh, Festival. Uh, so this year will mark the 13th annual DFW Dragon Boat Kite and Latin Festival. Mm-hmm. And then this year, actually, the festival will be on October 10th. We skipped uh, last year because of pandemic, but this year it will be held uh, at uh, the last uh, Colinas uh, Urban Center on Lake uh, Carolyn in Urban, Texas. You know what's so and, great uh, about it, that? You know what's so great about this race? And like I said, I've had the pleasure of emceeing the uh, finals You know, for the last eight years. It is such a fun time. Not only do you have the Dragon Boat races and all the different corporations and, and first responders are, all have their own teams and they compete. And then you have all of their families and friends, and then you have all the different booths and the different festivities going on. Can you kind of paint a picture and let everybody know what it's like on those days? Because I find it so much excitement. Yeah, so it starts at very early in the morning because it's kind of cool in uh, uh, May. Uh, you know how Texas uh, summer will be oh, very yeah. hot, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, at 8 a.m., and then everyone will get it together. All the teams uh, attending the race will get together and then register and then 
uh, start uh, training a little bit and then get to this the, uh, very intense uh, racing. And then we have different groups. Uh, some of the uh, kind of uh, big company groups uh, will form into a, a uh, one category and also some community teams will be another uh, big category and they will compete with each other. It'll be uh, fun, uh, family oriented, all the kids are, are uh, happy and then they are uh, excited. And we have also have some Asian culture related uh, booths, uh, probably 30, 40 booths every year and teaching kids how to make uh, uh, Asian style uh, culture related crafts and, and teaching them uh, Asian cultures and enjoy Asian uh, food. Now, back to the races, and I'm going to talk about some of these booths a little bit later because they're so exciting in the music and the dancing as well as the kite flying and the animals. But the race, I am so – and that's how I first got involved with it. This Chinese dragon boat race features corporate teams and, like I mentioned, community first responder teams. I think you've got different – Different cities in Texas that bring in, like, the fire department or the police officers. Can you talk about some of the different teams that have been involved? Yeah, I, I personally have been attending uh, the, my company team. Actually, we registered for a few years, and then we saw the uh, – I remember it's urban fire department team. They were always number one. Yeah. No one, no one can beat them. They're all guys <laughs> who have strong arms and then very well built, and then no one can defeat them. <laughs> It's just absolutely amazing. And again, they go from one end of Lake Caroline to the other over in Las Colinas. And it's just so exciting, the races. And it always seems like it comes down to a photo finish. Oh, yeah, yeah. We love this kind of sports uh, and culture uh, put together type of events can attract the people who love sports, right, racing. Because in Texas, we rarely have anything similar to uh, like boat racing event, right? So this is very mm-hmm. exciting. And also this is a culture related. This is, has been in, in China and in some Asian countries for like thousand years. Wow. Very, very uh, good culture education opportunity for young kids and even for, for all the adults. Yeah. We're talking to Hai Long Jin and you are the board chairman of the uh, Marco Polo World Foundation that presents this Chinese Dragon Boat Festival and race every year. And, and this is such an exciting event. I want to let people know that I know these teams must train for at least a few weeks or a few months maybe. Do you know anything about the training? Because, I mean, it's so competitive. It's almost like the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, we because of the uh, uh, limitation, also safety reason, we only have one formal training one week ahead of the uh, formal racing day. Really? Uh, and we do have a uh, DFW Dragon Boat Racing Club. And then it's on our app website. You can search DFW Dragon Boat Festival. You can find the link, and then you can, uh, can attend, uh, uh, register as a club member, so you can have more opportunity for training. But in general, we provide the uh, uh, coach, and we provide the, the boat. We provide all the uh, safety gears, and then uh, one week ahead of the racing day, and everyone, the whole team, can go there and then uh, get a try, you know, enjoy, the, you know, the, the beauty of the lake and also uh, uh, learn how to race. And then there are a lot of kind of uh, 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 training sessions online. You can also learn the, the techniques. Yeah. It is a beautiful location as well, Lake Carolina over there in Las Colinas and Irving. And I, I, I can't remember how many teams that race, but it seems like it's quite a few. It's, it's several dozen. Do you have some of the numbers every year of how many teams that actually compete? Last time I remember, the, there was a record number of uh, 40-something number of teams 
totally uh uh i mean the whole the whole uh racing starting from 8 a.m and then last until like 4 30 p.m there was one year we left at like 5 30. <laughs> yeah it was amazing and again i'm usually there the whole day and at the end i got the pleasure to hand out the trophies and so many of the groups are just so excited and it's so much fun all i know is it's family fun and it's also so competitive. And if if you've ever seen the Dragon Ball races on television or or seen it in the movies, to see it in person is something special. And this is absolutely free, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's very uh, kids friendly. And then everyone is invited. Everyone can go there, enjoy the beautiful weather. And then actually this year we put it in October. And then you know how nice the weather in October is in Texas. Oh yes. Now you mentioned kid friendly. Yeah. I have never seen so many great kites that are flying in the air. Can you talk about how some sometimes like the kids or the people bring the kites and these kites are the elaborate Chinese, these Chinese dragon kites and all kind of kites. Oh yes. Yes. They have the, the huge ones. I, I know I'm, I'm not sure about here, but when I was in China before I witnessed a huge kite was like a hundred meter long mm-hmm. and they literally can lift you up. <laughs> so you need to make sure that you have a bunch of guys, strong guys to hold it tight. So in here, uh, we have a kite for sale. You can go there, bring your kids there, or you can bring your own kite. And then uh, there will also be t- people there teaching kids how to fly a kite. So it's a very great event for kids to enjoy beautiful weather and then and run around. And then also they can watch the racing as well. Now, there's also a petting zoo. Like there's an area for the kids to pet some of the animals, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's uh, the favorite. Uh, 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 I the favorite. Uh, uh, for for kids and mm-hmm. always the pets, animals, and everything. Yeah, my kids loved it when they were younger. Uh, you see the goats, and you see the sheep, and you see the little horses. It was all exciting. Yes. <laughs> now, I also I, I don't know how many booths there are, but it seems there's, there's quite a few booths. But then, are they all Chinese uh, no, cultural actually, booths? They're all know, kind of no, Asian, they, right? Yeah, actually, this is all from different Asian countries. The the festival actually not like. For Chinese, this is for right. Asian countries. It's Asian culture. You can go there and then actually the performance, you probably uh, saw a lot of performance before. Yes. Uh, a Thai, Thai performance, a Korean performance, mm-hmm. uh, Indian dances and everything. Uh, of course, you know, the, we will have, uh, uh, I think the record number in before was like over 20,000 people attend almost every year. So if you go there, you need to make sure that, you know, you go there early, you know, get the free parking, and then, you know, enjoy the nice food there. Otherwise, it'll be gone very soon. <laughs> yes, it will be gone very, very soon. Can you talk about some of the different foods? Because you could go literally walking up and down and seeing all the different booths, and they have all these delicious foods, and they smell so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some, we invite, every year we invite some uh, uh, famous Chinese restaurant and then Korean restaurant, Indian uh, restaurant. We go there and then they, they have their, the best booth there and then selling food. I mean, it's absolutely an amazing event. It's almost like a, a, a big secret. It's like the people that know about it know about it and they're there. And then there's a lot of people that say, wow, I heard about it, but I didn't know anything about it except for I just kind of heard about it. Is there a website? Can you mention the website again where people can get more information about the annual Chinese Dragon Boat Races and Festival? Well, you just Google search uh, DFW Dragon Boat Festival, and then we are the number of the first uh, link there. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know what? 
again, this is such a cultural event that, you know, a lot of people probably didn't know that there was that many Asian-Americans in the Dallas-Fort Worth community. Can you give us an idea of how many people are here and, and I mean, how long the event has been around? Wow. I, last time I checked, uh, uh, well, actually, there were some new numbers. Uh, I, I Google find out the uh, last few days. Uh, in, right now, in the whole United States, we have uh, 17 million uh, people uh, are Asians. Mm-hmm. And then in Texas, we have uh, actually 1.3 million are Asians. And then uh, the top 10 uh, cities in Texas with the largest Asian population in 2021, guess what? Knox, Texas have six. They're Coppell, Murphy, Plano, Frisco, Irving, and Allen. So we have, uh, I mean, if you have been living in Texas for a long time, especially in North Texas, you know that you can tell that we have more Chinese, Korean, Indian grocery stores opening every year, right? And then mm-hmm. you have been seeing the, a lot of nice restaurants opening. And then it, actually in 20 years ago, we actually used to drive to Houston to find the best food. And now we don't need to anymore. We, we can say to Houston, uh, say, we have the best food. We have, we have better food than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, in North Texas, we love to brag, especially Dallas over Houston. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is Better Living, and we are talking to High Long Jen, board director of the Marco Polo World Foundation and former president of the DFW Chinese Alliance. So there's so many cultures from Asia who are over here and been here for a long time, Asian-Americans. How often are there cultural events beyond maybe the Dragon Vote Festival? Because I know you do a lot of different things with so many different groups. Yeah, um, there is also a, you know, every May is uh, uh, Asian uh, uh, Culture Month, right? Mm-hmm. And then so actually in Plano, there is a uh, big Asian festival every year in May. Uh, but in, uh, unfortunately, last year and this year, there will be a virtual event. But, you know, every May, you Google search for Asian Festival mm-hmm. in Plano, and you can, you can find the website. You can go there. It's a whole day event. Uh, very similar to the uh, Dragon Ball Festival, that, but they have uh, more performance uh, arts, uh, crafts for kids, and then all the performance from uh, different Asian countries will be there. And uh, again, it's free, free parking, free event, and they have the, also some nice food as well. You know, I'm so glad you're active in the community and, and active in Dallas-Fort Worth and sharing the opportunity for a lot of people who listen to this station to learn more about the Asian-American community here in, in North Texas. Could you talk a little bit about um, how involved everybody has been uh, during the pandemic? Because you mentioned the virtual, having to make a little pivot and do some things virtually and online. Can you talk about how especially the Chinese community has been active during the pandemic? Yes, uh, uh, I was involved in a few uh, local Chinese uh, uh, organizations. And then during the pandemic, because we were well aware of how serious this was back in China. And mm-hmm. then we actually organized very early last uh, uh, March, April. We have a, a, a few local organizations, for example, the uh, DFW Chinese Alliance and the Asian Culture and Education Society and also ACP Foundation, and also Mark Boley War Foundation. And we work together as a team to uh, deliver personal protection equipment uh, to local hospitals, local ISDs, and police department, and fire department, and then also those in need within our own community. And we also uh, deliver and donated hundreds of hot Chinese meals to local hospitals during the pandemic. 
And I can quote here uh, the vice president of the Parkland Foundations, uh, uh, Jill Hesman, say after they receive our food, he said, thank you for uh, your kind donation to support our staff at Parkland Health uh, and Hospital System during this public health crisis. Your contribution allows the dedicated member of Parkland Healthcare delivery teams to take a break and then to properly nourish their bodies and minds so they can continue to heal the patients they are serving. That is fantastic. And, you know, it's been a a tough year for everybody during the pandemic, economically, as well as being able to socialize and be with their friends and, you know, and, and everybody trying to get used to a new normal and then get back to the way things used to be. Can you talk about how you felt I was, I was totally just completely shocked and surprised that there were some small groups that were violently attacking Asian Americans. Can you talk about maybe what has been going on and and the reaction in your community of how some of the attacks nationwide have, uh, have been felt or how people in your community have responded about this? Because I think there's a lot of people that just absolutely stunned by some of these things. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, you know, I think everyone knows, uh, you know, right now, especially in the past uh, uh, few months or even the whole year, uh, there have been many uh, ongoing uh, either we say crimes or, you know, uh, behaviors that, you know, Mm anti-Asian. And then, to be honest, this is actually the very first time ever that after I came to United States in 1999, that I need to be serious concerned about about my family's safety, especially for elderly and then uh, women. And you watch those you know, viral videos showing how you know Asian elderly got pushed to the ground and and later uh, died in hospital, or you know, Asian women got kicked in the head and repeatedly and then brutally, right? And you, you cannot have wondering is this really the America that I have you know we have been admiring when when we were young, right? Mm-hmm. And then we we actually uh, as uh, in our DFW Chinese uh, China Chinese Alliance, we actually host a online um, a Stop Asian Hate online rally on March 21st. We were very honored. We invite the Plano Police Chief, uh, mm-hmm. Plano and Allen City Council members, as well as some Asian uh, uh, community leaders. And then we have a panel discussion, and we raise awareness on the the recent rise of Asian hate crime since pandemic. And we, we attract uh, nearly 700 uh, residents in Allen and Plano area to attend our uh, panel discussion. And we are trying to make sure that, you know, we, you know, get the word out. And then so the city officials and, and the police department are well aware of the fear in the Asian community. And then traditionally, Asian community, we are quiet, you know, we work hard, you know, we focus on the kids' education. Uh, and then now, you know, because of uh, uh, the pandemic or, you know, different reasons, we were kind of attacked, right? Seriously, mm-hmm. there are so brutally, there are so many uh, things ongoing right now. And it looks like the, the trend is not stopping. And then so the whole community is kind of very concerned and we want to get the word out to let people know that, you know, we are seriously, we are afraid right now. And then... This is not the America we used to be admiring in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the United States used to be, uh, you know, the 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 place everyone admired in in the whole world, right? We have right. You know, the NBA, we have you know, we have Michael Jackson, we have mm-hmm. we have Hollywood, you know, you know, everything was amazing, right? And again, everyone come to the United States to get their American dreams, but 
we don't want to, you know, get the dream, and it turns out it's a disaster, it's a nightmare, right? Right. If, if you're a Chinese American here in North Texas, are there any places you could turn? Let's say, uh, you know, you like you said, there's some fear there. Are there some organizations or a center, maybe a, a health care location where you might be worried about yourself or your family, and you say, where can I turn? Well, uh, in general, we, you, you can, of course, if you have something that's serious for urgency, you can always call 911, right? And you can also go to your uh, local city uh, police department to get for help. Mm-hmm. But in general, uh, for within a Chinese uh, uh, community or even some uh, Asian community, we heard that they have some neighborhood uh, watching uh, organizations already been organized mm-hmm. uh, in different uh, either uh, uh, local community or some local organizations. There have been something organized, and also a Chinese uh, alliance, the other Chinese alliance is always a you know a, a organization you can refer to. You know, if you need some any help, you can reach out to us. Just Google DFW Chinese Alliance, and you know, we are we can be reached out through email, leave a comments on the website, and also we are closely working with uh, you know a bunch of other local Asian community leaders as well, and we are all connected. So to be honest, it's not only for Chinese, not only for uh, Koreans or, or you know other countries uh, uh, resident being attacked, it's the whole Asian community being attacked right now. So we need to work together to to, you know, fight against this one. Again, we also need everyone's help who, you know, your audience who is listening. We are need to be united and then we need to uh, help out whenever you witness anything, you hear you, you hear anything, you know, you need to reach out to uh, report to authority and then also, you know, let, let the people know what's going on. So, you know, we can finally just, you know, fight over this one, and then, you know, we can win this war. Exactly. No one likes hate crimes, and everybody's all about appreciating differences. And and uh, the majority of people are, like, just disgusted by some of the things that were happening. So if if you're not Asian-American, and like you said, you wanted to help out or be aware, you, you mentioned some of the things that people can do uh, if you hear of anything or – you know, a lot of people, are, are they hear of something, but they don't know what they could possibly do. Is there any stories of someone that you know that was a victim of a hate crime or, or you heard about a situation where maybe people were able to right a wrong or rectify a situation at all? Well, we in the past uh, a few months, we although in, in actually we are very fortunate that uh, in Plano, Allen, uh, in North Texas area, that we don't have uh, uh, you know a great number of events uh, of uh, hate crime happening. That's good. That's and good. And also this is based on according to the Plano uh, uh, police chief, uh, Ed Rain. And then, uh, but we do hear we do heard some once in a while. We heard some like you know. Uh, either uh, verbally or some, you know, inappropriate behavior, you know, mm-hmm. around our community. Sometimes it's even the, in the in the schools, right? And then your kids come back and they tell you something, and then it's not nice, but it's not in the level that you know you need to be be really serious, concerned to to report as a crime. So we are actually very lucky. We are living in a very safe neighborhood right now. Uh, comparing with, you know, whatever, uh, you know, viral videos I've been watching, those are really terrible. But we need to be alerted and then we need to be prepared because 
uh, we need to reach out to you know different uh, other communities. You know, the the uh, make sure that people are aware, people are educated, they know how serious this situation is right now, and then we need to get support from everyone around us. You know, I've always thought that sometimes people fear what they don't know. And all they need to do is learn about each other better. And that's why I'm glad we had you on the show here so that we can share some of your experiences. And sometimes people find out that they have more in common than they have that are different. Uh, one small note for for me personally, I've always told people that my hero growing up, it wasn't, you know, my favorite, who's your favorite athlete growing up? And I wouldn't say, oh, it's uh uh, Michael Jordan or, you know, uh, Roger Staubach or Muhammad Ali. My favorite athlete growing up was Bruce Lee. Oh, that's yes. Nice. I mean, I've always admired Bruce Lee, uh, not only because he was a great martial artist, but he was also so disciplined. And he was saying that that was the greatest strength and be as water, you know, be fluid, being able to adjust to your surroundings. And he was also very philosophical and very deep. So, I had a great, I have great admiration for Bruce Lee. Uh, I, I know you're very familiar with Bruce Lee, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, we I didn't watch all of his movies, but I watched some of them. Yeah, late later on, it's Jackie Chan, right? Yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. of course. And again, like I said, that once people find out that they have something in common or they have something that they like, they find out more about each other. And you know, I go to the Anatole Hotel a lot just to see some of the. Uh, Chinese treasures that they have, some of the artwork there. And that was Trammell Crow. And I know Trammell Crow is also involved with the Marco Polo World Foundation as well. I think that a lot of relationships are developed once people learn more about each other. Don't you think? Oh, yes. Uh, again, uh, c- communication and then uh, respect, uh, you know, all the culture and then learn from different cultures. And then it's, it's just a great thing. I mean, that's actually... Actually, I'm saying that's actually one of the reasons why I came to the United States. It's, mm-hmm. We learned when I was a kid, when I was young in China, I learned that the United States is a great kind of part that all the countries, all the immigrants can go to the United States and then they can live happily and safely and then everyone is equally treated. And then uh, that's, you know, again, American dream is not just two words. That means a lot to you know, almost everyone, I mean, yes. not including the... the that people already live here for many, many years, were born here, but also people immigrant to the United States. It's their, the best thing in their whole life that come to the United States to enjoy their American dream. Exactly. It's the great melting pot. It's, it's, the, it's the great dream. It's the city on the hill. It's the shining city on the hill. It's, it's everything that everybody imagines worldwide, and, and we're all here together, and the best way for America to, to succeed is if everybody at least attempts to understand each other. And yeah, again, yeah. I enjoy the Chinese culture. That's why I really, really enjoy being a part of the uh, annual, the annual Chinese Dragon Boat Festival and races that goes on. And, and, and I, I want, if everybody wants to take a small step, like I said, I, I invite you to come on out one afternoon, one year, and the, the, the next one's going to be in October. We'll keep everybody abreast on it. But that's like one small step so you can find out more about, you know, not just the Chinese culture here in uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth, but all of the Asian-American culture here, right? Yes, yeah. And then just if you want to learn more about Asian culture, you know, first, you know, come to our event and then also the Asian Festival event in, in May. Next yes. Year, definitely they will resume uh, again in Plano. 
and also uh, reach out to your Asian neighbors. If once you talk to them, you really realize sure. how interesting they are, right? Learn a few languages from, you know, in Chinese or even Japanese or Koreans, in Indians, right? Mm-hmm. It's fun, yeah. Ask them about their culture, make friends with them, and then you have no idea how much this means to Asians, if, right, at least in, you know, in the current situation. And then uh, in the long term, you know, you as a uh, the big community in the DFW area will have great impact on the whole Asian community as well. And then we were, you know, a big family anyway. Yeah. Exactly. How long? We've got to have you back on again real soon. I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And you know what? The next time we talk, I'm going to have to tell you about my trip to Hong Kong. Wow. Yeah. Well, you, you went to Hong Kong? I went to Hong Kong. I'll tell you all about the next time I have you on the show. Is that a promise? All right, no problem. Yeah, I cannot speak Cantonese, but I know Hong Kong. Yeah, really well. Very nice, very nice. Halong Jin, he is the board director of the Marco Polo World Foundation and former president of the DFW Chinese Alliance. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And joining us right now is Vincent Coronado, Opportunity Advisor, BigThought.org. BigThought.org is a great organization, a tremendous organization that has empowered unskilled lower-income youth in the DFW area for over 30 years, helping them reach goals of opportunity, including jobs, careers, and higher education. Hey, Vince, we're so glad you're joining us. Can you tell us a little bit more about BigThought.org? Oh, yes, sir. Thank you, Chris, for having me. Um, So Big Thought, like you said, is a 30-year organization based in Dallas uh, that initially started as uh, getting art into the hands of young people, uh, but definitely grew and developed, and our mission has changed since then um, to make sure that all youth and marginalized communities can be equipped to imagine and create their best lives and world. And tell us how you got involved with BigThought.org, because you've got a story yourself. Yes, sir. So prior to Big Thought, I was a juvenile probation officer uh, for Dallas County for just under five years, and one of the programs that we were able to refer youth on our caseloads to was called Creative Solutions, uh, which is offered by Big Thought, which is a 28-year-old program, which is one of the, the longest-running programs within Big Thought uh, that caters specifically to youth uh, on probation. Uh, and I was able to send youth uh, every summer for the five years I was a probation officer to the Creative Solutions program and got to see how that process worked. Uh, and that drew me to Big Thought, and I am lucky enough now to be employed by Big Thought and be uh, able to work directly with the Creative Solutions Program and continue working with those youth that are still involved in the probationary department. You mentioned the Creative Solutions. Can you talk about the Creative Voices and drill down on that, the secret sauce? Yes, sir. So Creative Voices is a branch within our programs department at Big Thought uh, that delivers direct-to-youth programming. So Creative Solutions is one of those programs that we offer, uh, specifically catered to youth in the juvenile justice system. We also have another program called the Fellowship Initiative, which is in partnership with J.B. Morgan Chase uh, that works specifically with young men of color and follows them from sophomore to senior year of high school. Uh, And all those young men will uh, be given resources to help them achieve their goals of reaching the collegiate level. We also have Artivism, which is a program for high school youth that combines art plus activism. Uh, And then we also have a new program that's in the process of starting up called Youth to Power, 
uh, which will empower youth in the school system uh, to be more active, seen, and heard. And then my special project that I'm currently involved in in getting created is called the Youth Advisory Council that will also uh, consist of young adults aged 16 to 24 that have been involved in some aspect of Big Thought programming and help them with their transition into adulthood and really make changes within our own organization as well as our communities. This is fantastic. I, I'm very impressed with the BigThought.org website. It is phenomenal. And I'm just looking at all the different people involved in it. And can you tell us whose vision this was and, and how it came about? Uh, so it started, you know, like I said, basically, uh, basically art-related mm-hmm. uh, at first when the organization first came about. And the Creative Solutions Program was one of those programs that branched out from the beginning uh, since it has been going on for 28 years in partnership with Dallas County Juvenile Department. Uh, that's definitely the program that has expanded the most mm-hmm. uh, in turn, not just you know exposing youth to art uh, into our goal, but using that art to create like a workforce development type program uh, that the youth that are involved in creative solutions come to the SMU campus to where we've been housed at for the past 10 or so years. And they, they get treated as, as employees and the staff that are hired to work with these students are professional artists who work in different mediums and they expose the youth to, to those mediums and then they, they co-create work uh, together. So in person, what we've done in the past is run a seven week long program for those young people and just like a job they have to they have to show up on time every day if they're going to to be out sick they have to be responsible enough to call in uh, and let one of the the big thought staff members know that they'll be missing that day and at the end of the seven weeks they work towards not only getting a paycheck but they also work towards putting together a final product which typically consists of an art gallery where all original art is created uh, by about half of the students that attend the summer program and the other half of the students create their own play. Uh, and there's theater and dance and music involved in the aspects of the play, and the youth have really heavy input on on what topics they want to address uh, when, when creating those plays and even in their artwork they display. How do the students get chosen? How do you select certain ones and realize they have some sort of art background or there's something artistic about them that you could see a future with them? Uh, So for Creative Solutions specifically, uh, the students don't necessarily have to come from an art background. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those students are selected by the probation officers that refer them. Uh, So... You know, Creative Solutions is specifically for youth that are on probation within Dallas County. And we've actually, last summer was our first summer expanding as well into Tarrant County and working alongside the Tarrant County Juvenile Services Department um, and doing the program virtually. And so the, the probation officers get a taste of, of what the program is about beforehand, and they're the ones that actually decide on what youth on their caseloads they want to refer uh, to the Creative Solutions program. And then the students apply, and they fill out the, the paperwork online, and then our, our Creative Solutions staff gives the family and the student an orientation uh, before the programming starts in the summer. 
And that is what the title of Opportunity Advisors come along, because that's exactly what you were. That's your title. Uh, you recognize the opportunity for the kids and the the the, the possibilities that they might have in the future. Right. So my role was actually, I'm the first one to actually hold my role as Opportunity Advisor in, in Big Thought history. Um, so Congratulations, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I was able to use, you know, the things I learned being a probation officer and carry them over uh, to Big Thought because my primary role as Opportunity Advisor is to continue working with youth that are aging out of our, mm-hmm. our direct-to-youth uh, program. So once they turn 18 there wasn't a particular person or entity in place to follow up with them and really just assist with their transition into adulthood. So my, pro, my uh, position was created, and I, I learned about it through the Big Thought website, and I applied. And, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm lucky enough to be able to, to hold this position, and we're actually looking to continue growing this position uh, once we start expanding it to different counties. This is an exact, this is an amazing program and like i said the website you've got to see it for yourself at www.bigthought.org you you mentioned you're a probation officer just mentioned i I just have a i'm just out of curiosity how did you happen to become a probation officer what led you to that well in college i studied criminal justice uh actually with an emphasis on law enforcement that was ultimately my goal post-graduation but my senior year of college i did an internship uh, in Tarrant, uh, not I'm sorry, not Tarrant County, in Travis County, uh, which is where in Austin, where mm-hmm. I was living at the time, because I attended Texas State University uh, down in San Marcos, and for about a whole semester, I was able to shadow a juvenile probation officer on a regular basis, and that really piqued my interest, uh, especially with working with young people. So post graduation, uh, I moved back home with my fiance, who is now my wife, back to Dallas. And I started looking for jobs in the area, and I learned about the the Dallas County Juvenile Department, and I started working at an alternative school uh, that the juvenile department runs that houses young people that have committed offenses on school campus, and they're sent to this alternative school uh, almost as a last resort. Um, So Mm -hmm. I worked there for about a year and a half and got a lot of experience under my belt uh, working directly with with that population of youth and I was exposed to the probationary side and that really piqued my interest. Uh, so I decided to interview a couple of times, uh, for a few different probation positions. And I was able to ge- uh, get a position, uh, specifically working with first time offenders that had one or multiple mental health diagnosis. So I ran that program alongside two other probation officers at first, and then it kind of dwindled down just to myself. The last few years, I was employed at the juvenile department, and, you know, I I really loved what I did, but I felt there was a limitation there because when a youth was sent to me on probation, they were only allowed to be with me for six months, Mm -hmm. and then it was just kind of letting them off on their own and not really any kind of follow-through, and that's really what kind of led me, that's what's what drew me to my position now as opportunity advisor because I still get to work with that population of young people, but I have no limitation on on how long I can continue working with them. That's a heck of a story. We're talking Vincent Coronado, the Opportunity Advisor with BigThought.org. I find it very admirable of you 
to try to reach out to kids who are, you know, repeat offenders or, or kids who seem to have problems because sometimes people just want to throw them away. Right. And, 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 and I, and, and they I have futures. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, people say when, when they find out that I was a probation officer, they would always say, Oh, you work with, with bad kids. Right. And, and, and I don't consider any kid bad just because of the fact that, you know, they, they have certain things that they lack in their environment, and that's what I help try to provide them with is that, you know, that, that drive that maybe they lack or, you know, just being a solid object for them or being someone that they can count on and be dependable. Um, and I think Big Thought as an organization, that's what we strive to do is just be there for the youth, listen to their voices, and then take what, take what we hear from them and utilize it to better ourselves as an organization. I bet there's a kid or a couple of kids have some stories that you'd love to tell. Is this, you don't even have to say their name, but you know, you, you've, you've watched them go from the, the juvenile de- detention department and all of a sudden, you know, reached out through big thought and, and made something of themselves. Are there a couple of stories for us? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have, I, I can tell you stories all day. Oh, I'd love to hear uh, but a couple. I'll just Seriously. limit it to a couple. I have okay. one, I had one young man who was on probation with me who was, uh, a senior in high school, and he was he was on track, you know, to go to college. Did a couple of college tours, but he want he made one, you know, mistake that he he definitely regretted. And you know, I followed him throughout that whole time on probation and made sure that I gave him all the necessary tools he needed to to complete probation successfully. And because of the program I ran, that charge actually got taken off his record completely, as if it didn't happen. And you know, he invited me to his high school graduation. He was able to apply for a scholarship that the Hispanic Committee uh, within the juvenile department offers every year, and he got awarded one of the scholarships as well. So I was able to go to the ceremony and see him accept accept that um, that award, and you know, and go and further himself uh, into into the life that he wanted and the life that you know. Thankfully for him, it didn't. It didn't put a damper on it, him being on probation, only just during that six months that he was. And then after that, you know, he's he's in a better place now. That is fantastic. And that's just one story. You got, I know you've got another. <laughs> yeah, this, this other one relates back to creative solutions. So mm-hmm. my first year as a probation officer, um, I was able to refer a young man who, you know, has, was having a lot of issues at home. You know, mom... Uh, was just a single mother who tried, you know, her best uh, to to get him what he needed, but he still ended up making some mistakes in school. And I referred him to the Creative Solutions Program. And, you know, the difference between day one and the end of week seven was just night and day. He became way more communicative. He became way more trusting with not just his peers, but with myself and with his mom and the the relationship between him and his mom definitely improved uh, by the end of the program. And Creative Solutions is the type of program where you can come back the following year, even if you're not on probation anymore, up until you turn 18. Um, so for not just him, but a few of the other youth that I had referred to the program in the past, they, they went back year after year. Um, and this young man in particular, you know, he really benefited from, from being in that program. And it allowed him to be who he wanted to be, 
and be accepted by by everyone and not just his peers but all the staff uh that worked with him as well see that's that's priceless that's that's why you do what you do that's the difference between a job and a career because you enjoy what you do and you see the success that you have an impact on with some of these kids yes sir so tell me vince and we're talking vincent coronado I also understand with BigThought.org, there's some activisms, youth to power programs. Can you talk about some of those things that are going on? Right. So we have Artivism, which has been an ongoing program, which combines art and activism. There you go. Um, Our creative lead, her name is Sasha Maya Adad Davis. She actually runs Artivism and the Creative Solutions Program. And Artivism has, has definitely made a shift. Uh, especially during this COVID era, mm-hmm. where Sasha has found ways to continue supporting youth virtually and in a virtual space, because all of the programming that she's been doing over the past year with Artivism and uh, as well as Creative Solutions has had to make a switch to all virtual. Um, mm-hmm. And being able to support youth in person is is way different than trying to support youth virtually. But I think Sasha and Issa Martirell, who is also part of the Creative Solutions team, uh, has have done a great job being able to continue supporting, you know, the youth as as much as they want to be activists and and be creators and co-create with them. And the Youth to Power program that's that's actually brand new. Um, I can't speak too much on it yet, just because some of the things are still under wraps and mm-hmm. getting ready to roll out. Uh, but we're looking to to empower youth inside schools. Uh, and maybe after schools, uh, in order to help, you know, with their 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 activism, help themselves be be wanting to be more seen and more heard uh, in the community, and really, you know, raising their voice and utilizing it in a positive way within their own respective communities. You mentioned um, having some virtual classes, and you mentioned some of the staff rising to the occasion. Can you talk about? What happened initially when the pandemic hit a year ago and how that impacted what you were trying to do? Because it's an amazing thing when I hear different organizations speak about how at first they didn't know exactly what they were going to do because, I mean, there hasn't been a pandemic in the world in 100 years. Nothing of this significance like COVID. And a lot of people and organizations reacted a a variety of different ways. Some of them had to shut down a little bit. Some of them had to... uh, actually, you know, reduce staff or, or do different things. And I know this also applies with, with, with uh, you know, ISD schools, that they had to do more. They had to have virtual classes. They had to have some classes that were in person. And it also made it a little bit tougher on some of the educators. So could you talk about, like, where you were a year ago and some of the things that Big Org dot, or BigThought.org had to deal with because everybody did. And it's always a good story to hear about how you all made it through. Right. So I remember being in the office over spring break of last year and we were watching the news about that, the major outbreaks that were going on. And, you know, we got sent home uh, that week of spring break in, in 2020 and we've actually still been working home since then. Uh, so that was a major shift for everyone just because as an organization, all of our direct to programming was in person. It was either after school or, you know, over the summer. So that was, that was definitely something different where we had to huddle together and figure out, you know, what's going to be the game plan for programming. Are we even having programming 
you know, for, for the rest of this, this spring semester or leading into the summer or even the fall of 2020. And so I give a lot of credit to our executive leadership team and our CEO just for making sure that us as staff that work directly with the youth had everything we needed, you know, technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to have that. We were able to get technology for the students that we worked with for the Creative Solutions Program uh, last summer and make sure that all of them had, had laptops, all of them had Wi-Fi hotspots that they can utilize if they didn't have, you know, stable Wi-Fi at home. Um, and then we actually did deliveries uh, for the students. So for Creative Solutions in particular, you know, we have students all over the Dallas County area, all over Tarrant County area, and a lot of our staff were willing to go pick up supplies for them and deliver them to their homes. Uh, so all of the Big Thought staff, not just Creative Solutions, have definitely gone the extra mile you know, to go out of their way and above and beyond to get the students what they need. And uh, the biggest thing is to meet the students where they're at. So if we find out one student is lacking some sort of supplies and another is lacking a different sort of supplies, we make sure that we're able to utilize the resources that we have as an organization and provide that to the students that are in need. So we've been talking about how Big Thought has been around in Dallas-Fort Worth for like 30 years. How large is the staff? And it seems like you're, you're growing and there's new geographies in place. All right, so we actually only have about 50 staff that work at our headquarters, Wow, uh, which is located uh, in the downtown Dallas area. Um, but we have staff that work in our after-school programs uh, that exceeds, uh, I don't want to give you the wrong number, but I, I think it's about 100 plus people. Uh, they mm-hmm. work in, in those after-school programs during the school year. Uh, and then once we start expanding into new counties, like we did with Tarrant County last summer, um, I know that you know our staff would, would probably anticipate to grow a little bit as well. And what's this about a preventative model? I mean, uh, programming in alternative schools. Can you, can you shed some light on that? Because I'm, I find that very interesting. Right. So we, we had been in contact with a neighboring school district, uh, which I'm actually not allowed to name okay. right now. No but worries. But I was part of the team. Well, I, I have been part of the team that's helping redesign what alternative education looks like, utilizing the model we created for our, our Creative Solutions program, uh, which emphasizes social-emotional learning and restorative justice practices within the model. And so myself and the rest of, we're, we're called the Tiger Team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to shout out the Tiger Team right now. What up, Tiger we've Team? Been, we, we've been <laughs> grinding the past few months to try to implement what Creative Solutions does and what Big Thought does as an organization and try to implement this into an alternative school setting. Uh, so this coming fall, we're looking to launch our first partnership with a neighboring school district. Uh, utilizing that that practice. That sounds absolutely amazing. Now, back to the kids. You were talking about some of the success stories. I know there had to be a few heartbreaking stories here and there, and it's not like what you could have done differently, but can you talk about some of the challenges some students might present? Because I know Big Thought takes care of a lot of kids, but not everybody, you know, is successful. Right. And I think the major the major key to success would be building trust. There you go. With with a young person. And if you're not able to do that or find someone else within 
within your your organization that can can build trust. I think that that may be a, a the, one of the biggest hindrances in getting them to succeed. And you know, my time as a probation officer, I did have times where a youth would recommit uh, another you know criminal offense mm-hmm. and. I wasn't able to continue working with them in the program I had because that was that was only for first time offenders. So if they're committing a second or even third offense, we had to send them back uh, through the court system, and then they would either serve time in the juvenile detention center or they would get placed on probation with with someone else besides myself. Uh, and I saw that, you know, but I had to keep pushing because there were those youth that I was able to make those connections with. And, you know, I definitely didn't didn't reach 100% of the youth that I worked with as far as, you know, gaining their trust and gaining their respect uh, and, and, you know, helping them make it through the six-month program. But I think the justice system as a whole definitely does a good job at, you know, trying to provide those resources to the youth while, while they're in the system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, finding outside resources and organizations like Big Thought and others around the community that, that can help these youth and help them, you know, better themselves and and put what was in the past behind them and keep moving forward. Vincent Coronado, Opportunity Advisor with BigThought.org. I love the fact that you you guys are an option for kids who are, who are trying to make their way through this life. And I say this life because, you know, there's challenges today that a lot of people didn't have years and years ago. You know, with social media, bullying, mental issues. Uh, the issues are like mental awareness sometimes Sometimes troubled youth just may have some issues that a lot of people never even thought about, let alone the peer pressure. Can you talk about dealing with kids in this day and age, in the 2021 era, as opposed to the 1990s or the 1970s? Yeah, I think, like you said, mental health is definitely one of the biggest obstacles right now as Mm -hmm. far as youth, because, you know, especially in black and brown communities, you don't have a lot of resources as far as mental health. And I'd say more than probably 99% of the youth that I worked with as a probation officer came out of black and brown communities that may not have known uh, about the resources specifically for mental health. And, you know, I think the more knowledgeable people can be uh, or more willing people are go- uh, can be to learn about mental health and the ways that you can address it and the ways that you can you know, better the communities that that these young people are coming out of by providing them with more resources for mental health is definitely going to be key, um, you know, to to making the world better. And that's, that's, you know, that's really what I'm trying to do. And even if it's one person at a time or one young person at a time, like I'm going to keep grinding as long as I can. You know, and that's that's so admirable because a lot of people, they just need a little time or need, like you said, the trust. Because sometimes the peer pressure that they face their peers are i don't want to call them bullies but sometimes they're just so influential i guess that's the word i'm looking for they're looking for someone who's a greater influence that can take them out of some of the bad situations they may be in and that's why i actually like what bigthought.org is all about can you talk about how you know it's hard to separate some of these kids from their peer group or or is it easier this way where maybe they could be the ones that become the leaders and, and and help in their own communities from working with Big Thought? Yeah, I think any any Big Thought-oriented experience for a young person would definitely benefit not only them, uh, but they could also benefit, you know, 
people in their in their own home. Mm-hmm. You know, if they have younger siblings or even older siblings, and they hear about you know the program that that particular young person got to experience through Big Thought, you know, word of mouth is definitely powerful, um, especially you know in the homes in the schools, because the more the more youth learn about Big Thought or even you know organizations like Big Thought that are are here to provide resources to people and communities. I think the better that that, that all the communities can be uh, based on, you know, building that trust with with young people. And, you know, sometimes all they need is to see a different environment. It's like, okay, you take them out of, you know, out of their, their normal environment and they're not in trouble all the time. The world kind of opens up. Am I wrong? No, no, not at all. Because, you know, like I said, the last, the last 10 years or so, um, the Creative Solutions Program has been on the SMU campus. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, for a lot of those youth, that's their first time stepping onto a college campus. Yeah. And let alone, you know, SMU is a beautiful campus. And being able to be on that campus, I think, provides them a bit of confidence that they wouldn't really have gotten if, if we, you know, didn't or if we weren't able to utilize SMU as, one of our partnering campuses to run the program on. You mentioned the partnerships. Can you talk a little bit more about the leadership development and the college and career preparation that you guys provide? Right. So that's going to lean into the the fellowship initiative program uh, for the college and career prep. And that's specifically for young men of color um, Mm -hmm. that are, that are sophomores in high school and they're followed for three years throughout their senior year of high school and we just graduated the first cohort of fellows in the spring of 2020. Uh, and they're actually looking to recruit more fellows for this, the new cohort of about 40 to 50 more young men uh, this upcoming school year. And as far as uh, other programs that touch on college and career uh, prep, uh, I'm, I'm spearheading a program called the Youth Advisory Council that is looking to expose uh, young adults, you know, age 16 to 24, to different pathways and opportunities um, in in their communities and being able to expose them to that and allow them to build on workforce development skills or school or skills that they, they may feel that they're lacking in their current school that I can help provide them with or, or you know, our organization can provide them with as well. You guys are just absolutely awesome. What you do is empower youth to build creative muscle, develop social and emotional skills and well-being. You develop and shape their own authentic voice. I mean, this is the, the concept of this whole thing is a big thought, and the success shows for itself. You've, you've mentioned a couple of stories of success. Is there another one you want to leave us with before we get out of here? Um, yeah, there's, there's one young lady that I had in the Creative Solutions program, and she had lost her mother Oh, not even a couple of weeks before she came into the Creative Solutions program. Being able to have that peer support that she received throughout the program uh, and being able to, you know, have outside support from other family members and her siblings uh, and them to all be there at the final showcase when she performed uh, in the theatrical performance they put on. Uh, on the SMU campus, that that was just great to see, and she actually even went on to participate in our artivism program as well. Um, so seeing her change and seeing, you know, the obstacles she had to face, you know, not only being on probation but losing her mother, but being able to strive from that 
was definitely something that, you know, I was glad I had firsthand experience being able to witness. That's an amazing story. Vincent Coronado with the uh, BigThought.org. Can you tell anybody uh, who's listening who, who might be so impressed with this organization that they might want to volunteer or partner with? There's a lot of different corporate people who listen to this program as well. They might want to be involved some kind of way. Can you tell them some information on how they can get in touch? All right, so our website, uh, www.BigThought.org, has tons of information not only about all the programs that we offer, uh, but there's also links if you want to volunteer um, and come in and experience any of the, you know, the wonderful programs that we offer uh, to young people. So please check out our website. Yes, it is absolutely amazing. And again, I want to congratulate you personally. You are the first ever opportunity advisor for BigThought.org. And again, you step right out of uh, the probation department, you know, with Dallas. And, and I love your background, your collegiate background as well, man. You're, you're an exception. I appreciate everything you're doing, Vincent. And this, is, this has been another edition. And we want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Chris Arnold, 105.3 The Fan. Thanks again for joining us. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations and other people doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 